I just want you to listen. Jesus is in the middle of praying. It's one of the famous prayers that he prayed. And it's a long prayer, and I'm not going to read all of it, but these are the actual words of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to pick it up mid-prayer, and this is what he's asking God. And he's praying about us, Jesus' followers. He's praying about Jesus, his people. He's praying for us, and this is what he says. I do not ask you, Father, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, that means separate them. Separate them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. That is, I set myself apart. That they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. That's us. I don't ask on behalf of just them alone. But also for those who believe in me through their word. That they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. So, the thing that you have to ask yourself is why would Jesus pray for oneness among his people? Why would he pray for his followers to possess oneness? And in a simple word, I believe the answer is pressure. Pressure. He is talking about the world coming in. He's actually talking about what's going to happen in the end. The very essence of Christianity is it's, it's Jesus' people doing Jesus' work to fulfill Jesus' kingdom. And all of that demands an alignment into his heart. It, it demands a oneness because pressure's coming. Pressure is coming on the people of God So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to John 17. That's where I just read from, John chapter 17. And we're going to be breaking that down a little bit this morning. Pressure's coming. Jesus is saying, I'm going up and I'm sending you out. He's sending the people of God out. And and so why does that matter? It made me think a lot about what Jesus, you know, I I want to tell you guys something. The more and the more that I read the New Testament, the more that I look at the New Testament, and, and then I compare that to so much of what I hear today from so many pastors across our country and so many preachers. Over the last 10 to 15 years, you, you hear a lot about grace and you hear a lot about mercy and you hear a lot about uh, faith and fear and all of those things. But I'm going to tell you, if you begin to read the New Testament, you will see that it is packed full of language from Jesus himself saying, it's going to get hard. It's going to get really hard. 
If you begin to see just how much I don't know that the average Christian really understands that Jesus was not speaking in metaphor, Jesus was not speaking in allegory when he said they're going to kill you for my name's sake. Listen, they did it to all the apostles. Why are we any different? Those days are coming. Pressure is coming. Jesus said in Matthew 24, I, I wanted to put it all there, and I, you may not be able to see that. I, I really, I didn't want to put it on multiple. I'm going to read it to you. For those of you at home, you probably can even see it a little better. But Jesus said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. It's out of Matthew chapter 24. They will deliver you to tribulation and they will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away. Listen to that. Many will fall away and many will betray one another. He means that there's going to be people that said they were Christians and they're not. They will betray one another and they will hate one another. False prophets will arise and mislead many. Lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Jesus has told us, what happened to me is going to happen to you. And he's not joking. We've been going through the last several weeks this backstage series and today I want to talk to you about, we talked about churches at Philadelphia and Sardis. We've talked about churches in Laodicea. We've talked about churches in Thyatira. Today I want to talk to you about the church at Clearview. The church at Clearview. And I'm calling that the church that is summoned, called, summoned to oneness. For several weeks I've had this idea of oneness on my heart about our church. We are summoned, called to oneness. We are called to unity. But I want you to understand there's some things that unity is often misunderstood to be. Let me tell you what unity and oneness is not. Okay, let me tell you what it is not. It is not being faithful to friendships inside a tribe. What I mean by tribe, a, a group, a tribe, group like us, okay? We, you know, we, we often think that that it is, it is uh, oh, that, you know, we're just one big family. Have, have you ever noticed that almost every corporation in the world says we're one big family? Have you ever noticed that, that almost every sports team, regardless of sports, says we're one big family? I mean, it, it, you hear that all the time. And it's just not true. A lot, a lot of places you've worked, you, yeah, yeah, they always said we were family right up until we weren't, you know, kind of thing. And, and so, the, the, no, the truth is, it's, it, you, friendships inside the circle is great, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. And he's also not talking about peacekeeping among the brethren, the brothers and sisters of God. He's not talking about us just all getting along. That's not what he's talking about. And he's not talking about what I would call uniformity devoid of personality. Unity is not uniformity. It's not uniformity. Because God, I mean, look around this room. We are all from different backgrounds. We're from different places. We're from, we from, we're from different cultures. We, we, are, we are vastly different people. No, God made us all unique. So it's not about uniformity. Well, then what is it? 
Well, I would say that oneness, according to John 17, is oneness is a supernatural empowerment to align my life to God's kingdom alongside God's people. Now, if you're taking notes, I would write that down. Oneness is a supernatural empowerment, a supernatural empowerment to align my life, that is, I fall underneath God's leadership in his kingdom alongside his people. See, why you say, well, Jason, why, what do you mean it's supernatural? Well, did you notice that Jesus had to pray for it? Jesus had to pray for our oneness, which tells me we can lose it. If he's having to pray for it, it can be at risk, right? Anything you have to ask for, he's asking God, the Father, to give supernatural empowerment for us to be one, one in him, one in him. And so it actually matters a lot. And why does it matter? I'm going to walk you through why oneness matters so much. According to John 17, based on John 17, why does oneness matter? Oneness matters because alignment with Jesus matters and it, or it mirrors, excuse me, it mirrors the heart of God. Oneness with Jesus mirrors the heart of God. I want you to look in verse 21. Look at what Jesus said in this prayer. John 17, 21. He prays that they would be one, Father, even as you are in me and I'm in you, that they may also be in us. See? The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And what does the Bible tell us in Colossians? That now Christ in where? You. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So Jesus is praying that, that just like he and the Father are one, he wants us to be one with him to share the fact that Christ has transformed us. It, it is a very serious thing to God. Listen to me, friends. Listen to me. Oneness is a big deal to God. Oneness is a really big deal to God. It matters to his heart because it reflects his heart. In fact, I, I want to, you may not have, this is something that you don't hear a lot about out of Proverbs, but I read this when I was probably a, a teenager, early college years, and I've never forgotten, I've never forgotten, especially the last part of Proverbs Chapter 6, just don't turn there, but look at, this is what it says, there are six things which the Lord hates. Now everybody just stop reading for a second. Don't you think, look right here, don't, don't look at that screen. Don't you think that if God said he hates something, that's a pretty big word. It's a pretty big word. God, it says six things the Lord hates, seven are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, that's pride. A lying tongue. Lying isn't just, there's no such thing as a white lie. Okay, that's deception. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. That is somebody that loves evil. A false witness who utters lies. But look at this last one. Six things the Lord hates. One who spreads strife among brothers. Do you know that God says he hates dissension among the brothers, among the people of God, the men and women of God. Listen to me. That's a big deal. We are not to be people who stir it up, people who light a match to a problem within the body of Christ. 
You're not gonna, you're not always gonna agree with decisions that I make. You're not gonna agree with sometimes directions we go as a church, but let me tell you something. Don't you think for a second that you spreading stuff around the body of Christ that God isn't aware of what you're doing. He hates it. He hates it. And what God hates, God disciplines. I'm telling you, friends, his body, he died for this body. He died for this, this, this group of people. And for people to come in and twist things and stir it up, listen, that's an abomination to the Lord. Because it doesn't mirror his heart. It doesn't mirror his, his heart. You know, well, I'm not going into that. That's just going to take me on a tangent. I'm having discipline in the moment. So let me go to a second. I really want to take off on that, but I'm not. <laughs> so why else does God, when oneness matter to him, because dissension is real and it can be real, I would say alignment Alignment with Jesus protects against mission creep. You see, when we get all internally focused, the mission gets derailed. Look in verse 21. It's easy to miss it, by the way. Look in verse 21. Jesus is praying for oneness. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. That they may also be in us. Now watch this. So that... Meaning, oneness matters so that the world may believe that you sent me. You see, when we are one, or when we're, when we're not one, there are people that don't know Jesus. There are people that do not realize that if they die without Christ, the Bible says they will spend an eternity in hell. Whether, the, whether you want to believe that or not, whether they want to believe that, it doesn't make, it doesn't make it any less true. It doesn't make it any less true that people that reject Jesus Christ spend an eternity in hell. And so when we're all internally mixed up and banged up and picking on each other, and when we're all, the, when you see the body of Christ doing this, or, you know, I, I want our church to do that and they didn't, or, or I, I want answers for why we did this, and I want answers for why we did that. And when we get all kind of mixed up, guess who loses? Guess who loses? The people that don't know Christ, that's who loses. That's who loses. And the enemy's a master at that. Oneness channels our, our momentum. Our oneness, let me tell you what it is. It is a, our oneness, it is a beautiful, loud song in a world that has gone tone deaf with chaos. Our, our oneness, it is a rope that, that binds a community together for people that feel like they've got nowhere to belong. You ever felt like you had nowhere to belong? You ever felt like you didn't know who your people were? Our oneness, it is a flashing neon sign. Like, you know, Krispy Kreme, when the hot button comes on. Don't act like you don't know, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Our oneness is a flashing neon sign that you don't have to be afraid if you have Christ. You can come in here. Our, 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 our oneness is a, a faith sign to the world that the Lord has overcome. The Lord has overcome. You see, our oneness protects against mission creep because it is very easy for us to tackle all the wrong things that don't matter at all. 
And that's the risk churches run. That's the risk churches won. I wish our student ministry was better. Yeah, me too. I wish missions was better. Yeah, so does Kim. She believes that too. I I wish worship was better. Yeah, take a number. We all do. I wish the preaching was better. Don't say it. Right? Yeah. Listen, you're never, ever, 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 ever going to go to a church that's going to meet all your needs. Can I get a digital amen from somebody on Facebook? Type it in. Listen, you're not going to find that. You're not going to agree with a lot. Who cares? Grow up. That's a big theological word. Grow up. Grow up. We're not entitled. This isn't Burger King where you have it your way, right away, all the time, every day, every way. No. The reality is, the reality is, most of what we get twisted up over doesn't matter at all. And so every time we lose and we begin to pick inside, guess who loses? The mission loses. It is very hard to keep our eyes on exactly what God's called us to do. And what God has called us to do is what Jesus just said. I send them. Did you notice what he said in this entire prayer? He's saying that I send them. I have sent them into this world. They are not of this world, but I have sent them into the world. So why does oneness matter? Oneness matters because alignment with Jesus provides what I would call armor in chaos. It provides armor. I want you to look in verse 15. Look at what Jesus said. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. He's, you, know, you know what he's saying right there. You don't get to opt out. You don't get to opt out. No, we're actually left here for a reason. He said, I'm going up, you're going out. Okay? But he, he didn't leave us without tools. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, verse 15, but to keep them from the evil one. You see, Jesus was very, very aware that this world is full of evil because this world has an evil dictator in the heavenly realms. The Old Testament word for Satan, Hasatan, the Old Testament word for, for Satan was the antagonist, the stirrer upper, the protagonist, the, 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 the person with the claws and everything, the, the, the evil one. Paul often says, even in Ephesians, our wrestle's not against flesh and blood, but what? With principalities, dominions, spiritual forces. You see, we live, friends, let me tell you something. If we pulled back the heavenlies for just a minute, you would be stunned. You would be stunned. We live in a world full of spiritual forces and it is real. The enemy is a divider. We, he is a divider. So when we are aligned in the heart of Jesus, we, we actually, I think that alignment with him, when we align our lives with him, it, it is an armor. He prays that we would be protected from the evil. Our oneness with God, not our oneness just with each other, our oneness with the heart of God, our, our desire to meet his desires, our heart to meet his heart. When we do all of that, that's an armament in chaos because pressure is coming, pressure's coming. You know, something about history, 
is interesting to me. If you ever listen to documentaries or people that knew that were involved in very historical events, one of the interesting things about history is that most people that made history didn't really realize they were making history when they did it. They just, they were just doing it. You know, there, there was this, I've watched many documentaries on music because I love music and music history and I can tell you that when this band here was playing in clubs, they had no idea who they were. For all those of you that are unaware, it's shameful that I would have to say it, but that would be Paul McCartney and George Harrison and John Lennon. Do you think they had a clue that they would one day be the Beatles? That even to this day, young musicians say, that they are the catalyst for a lot of their music. They didn't realize what was going on in the moment. A good friend of mine was uh, serving a church, and the church secretary had been there for like 40-something years on staff. And right when she had just started... She said, he asked her one day, it was First Baptist Church, Selma, Alabama. And he asked her about being in Selma in those years. And she said, you know, I was in the church office the day that, that this happened. She said, I just happened to look out the window and there were people walking by, March 21, 1965. Do you think they had any idea how monumental? Isn't that a beautiful picture? A white man next to a black man walking for injustice. Oh, man, I've thought so many times in my life, like, what? oh, that I could have been alive, that I could have been in one of those, to have, to have been around and old enough to realize what's going on and join in that for the overcoming of the, the brutal sin of racism. But you know, most people really didn't. I, I dare say Dr. King realized, I mean, it was a big march, but marches had never worked before. They didn't really know if it was going to work now. They were just doing it. History is an interesting thing. It tends to be pretty quiet when people are making it. You know, I, I doubt if you had asked the citizens in January of that year, if you had asked them about what was about to happen, they would have been like, what? There was this guy, and he had some strange ideas, and he was a great speaker. He was a phenomenal speaker. And he knew how to get to people's hearts and rebuild an idea. And their country was in chaos at the time. There was a lot of political factions. Sound familiar? And I wonder, on this day in January of 1933, 
I wonder that if you had, if you had polled the moms and dads and the people throughout the city, or throughout the country of Germany, I wonder if you had polled them on January 30, 1933. That was the day that this unknown, kind of sort of unknown guy just took over. They, the, they, they had had a divided vote. It had 37% of the populace. And, and they were, so they just kind of ended up handing him the chancellery because he had a unified front. And, and, and I just wonder if you had asked the moms and dads and the accountants and the doctors and the nurses and the single moms, and if you had asked the German people, hey, you know what? Within eight years, you're going to be annihilating Jews by the millions within eight years. They would have said, you are insane. We are never going to do that. You're going to try to take over the world. We're never going to do that. You're going to shut down businesses because of religion and preferences that you don't like. We're never going to do that. In eight years, they did it. A lot can change in a matter of moments. I think people on that day, if you ask all those people in the background, caught up in the hoopla of the man that came preaching nationalism, I wonder if you'd have told them where he was going to take them. I wonder what they would have said. You see, we are a church summoned to oneness. We are called to be, that's why I called it backstage, a church summoned to oneness because we are called to be one. We are called to be one in Christ. Our oneness matters. Let's go to the next one. I don't want Hitler preaching. I'm looking over my shoulder while I preach. We are a church Summoned to oneness. Right now, in America, there's a lot going on. And I want to say some things, and I don't want you to misquote me. By the way, this will be on the internet tomorrow. Actually, by the, end of the, by the middle of the day, it'll be on iTunes and podcasts, so you can go back if you think I said something I didn't say. But I intend to speak honestly Right now, in America, we have a lot of things going on, politically, culturally, racially. There's so much division in our country right now. But I want to tell you something that happened in the last few days that is breaking my heart. It has got me personally as a Christian, not as a pastor, as a Christian, it has got me incredibly alarmed, on edge, and watching. Because I never dreamed it would happen in my country. Just this week, or, or in the last 10 days, do you realize that right now, in the state of California, Right now, it is illegal for a Christian to sing in church. It is illegal. Now, you can do this, go to the, you can do that by the thousands without masks 
And you can sing and you can chant and you can protest. And you know what? They are protesting over something that is a brutal sin in our nation. No matter how educated we seem to be, we cannot seem to figure out how to love beyond color. It's mind-boggling. And I'm thankful for the protest. But it is okay in California and every other state to chant and sing and protest by the thousands. But in a church... Right now, on this day today, July 12, 2020, it is a crime against the state if you sing to your God. And I don't care what the reason is. It doesn't matter if it's about COVID. It doesn't matter if it's about money. It doesn't matter if it's about politics. Listen, they're making this all under the guise of COVID. Who cares, friends? It doesn't matter what the reason is. First, you were told in California and many other states, you were told, you know what? You can't meet. Department of Justice stepped in and said, yes, they can. Okay, you can meet, but you can only have a few people, and you've got to be so many feet apart, and you've got to do like this and be like this. And the, so now they were told when, when and where they could meet. And then a little bit later, they were told you can meet, but we get to decide what comes out of your mouth. Wake up! Wake up! I see all these pastors in California. I've been looking on websites this week, by the way, California pastors. Mega church pastors, many men of which I respect, they went nuts as they should have over what happened with George Floyd. They should have. They went nuts with campaigns and promises and all these things. Where are you now? The church is being muted, muted. And I'm saying to you, every one of you Christians, brothers and sisters, pastors are not in California. You sing to your God. We are right back, back. We are right back to the days of Daniel, Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. We are right back to Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. And they've put it under the guise of COVID. And churches are laying down. Pastors are weirdly mute. I'm saying to you, friends, our oneness matters because pressure is coming. It doesn't matter what the reason is. It doesn't matter what the reason is. Do you understand that right now, had our governor not got involved in Knox County, Tennessee, if our governor had not got involved, it would have been illegal to take communion and do baptisms because they said that wasn't essential to worship. Christian friends, the day they marched on Selma, they didn't realize how big it would be one day. I'm telling you, history is happening right now. And I'm, it's happening right now. It's happening in your community. You realize we are one governor or one mayor or one president or one senator. We are one statute away from that happening right here. And I want you to know, I want you to know that if that day comes on our doorsteps, I don't care 
I mean it. I don't care if they take my job. I don't care if you fire me for being your pastor. I will take up that banner because I'm going to tell you something. I am a follower of Jesus Christ and you will not dictate what comes out of my mouth or who I pray to or when I can pray to that God. You will not do it. And that is not me being a patriot. That is not me being some awesome politician rhetoric, hellfire. You can get in there. I'm I'm making up all kinds of stuff for myself now because I'm sure they're going to say it. I'm telling you, friends, we're right back to Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. We're right back to the days Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, no more. We're right back to those days. Our Oneness is a supernatural. Look at the definition. It is a supernatural empowerment to align my life to God's kingdom alongside God's people. They may take our building. We'll sing in the streets. They may take the streets. We'll sing in our homes. At this rate, do you hear me? Do you realize at this pace... A friend of mine in California told me this week, he's just moved here from California. You know what he said to me? At this rate, I wonder how long it's going to be until the underground church begins to happen in California. They may take our church. We will sing in the streets. And they can take our streets and we will sing in our homes. And they may take our homes and we will sing in the jail cells. And then they may take our lives and then we will sing in heaven. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.